0: It's already that time. Folks are already on the hot seat. So we are going to dig into the coaches with the warmest asses and why they find themselves in this precarious position. We also clean up a little news around the league in preparation for the playoffs, which are just around the corner. All right, Marty, let's drop the beat. Let's get into some news around the league some crazy stuff has gone up gone on that we need to clean up and address first and foremost let's talk about spo let's talk about Jimmy Butler I two of my my most favorite people in the league yeah and all of a sudden I have to just correct the record <laughs> All right so last week we talked about how the heat most consistently inconsistent team. In the NBA. And then, just like clockwork, not clockwork for me, because I usually mush things, but they went out and they lost to the Mavs, they lost to the Spurs, beat the Cavs. Wildly inconsistent. Mm -hmm. After losing, incidentally enough, to that depleted Mavs team, Spo thought it was an appropriate time to... Start the Jimmy Butler for MVP chance. It was a wild,
1: uh, (laughs) wild thing to say. Wild thing to say.
0: Seems a little weird considering that Jimmy didn't play in that game (laughs) for the 18th time this year due to flu-like symptoms. Kind of a weird message, but much weirder timing. I mean, come on. Spolster told reporters, I think if we had a complete year, Jimmy Butler would. Would have to be in that conversation for MVP.
1: Have to be. What does that even mean? A complete year? Like it's (laughs) they've all played the same amount of games. Like
0: (laughs) they've been ravaged by injuries. They've had COVID concerns. (sighs) Things have been weird. This isn't been. I don't think this is a quote unquote complete. But no one has had a complete year. Sure. So we're all playing under the same rules here, Spo. Ah. I don't know if we could say Jimmy Butler should be in the MVP conversation in any way. I am here for MVP chatter, if it makes sense. Please make it make sense for me, Spo, respectfully. <laughs> Can we just talk about what an MVP means for a second? We've talked about it before, but let's, under this context, break it down. Like I said, I love Jimmy Buckets. I love Eric Spoelstra. I think Spoelstra's probably number one coach in the league, so... Huge fan of his opinions, his mind. It made me even question my own reality for a second. Like, am I seeing the same thing? (laughs) I can't let this go unchecked. Just cannot. MVP must play a certain amount of games, correct? In order to be considered MVP, you got to play the majority of the season, no?
1: Definitely. I would be curious what the least amount of games an MVP has played. It couldn't be less than, like, 72.
0: Yeah, I would say that's probably right. Jimmy Butler has missed a quarter of the season. Yeah. And he's not only missed a quarter of the season, he's missed those games in six different stretches. So it's not like he... Hurt something and then came back. It's you've been gone on and off out of the roster the entire year. We cannot rely on you. You cannot be valuable to our franchise if we don't even know if you're going to be there. <laughs> the day, the day that Spo is, Spo is saying we should be giving him MVP consideration, he didn't play. What are you talking about? Okay, Black Mark, there, right? Mm-hmm. Black Mark, the Heat currently at ninth in the East. Black Mark. Right?
1: Yeah. After being the Eastern Conference champion. Yeah.
0: Correct. Blackmark. Buckets. Let's talk about his stats for a second. 22, 7, and 7. That is all-star basketball? Yes. No shade. Those numbers are far from MVP numbers. Are they not?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're definitely not up there, especially when you compound it with uh, uh, team success and all that. No. No. It's not there.
0: No. Let's look at another player who is in the play-in tournament that is balling or the leader of that franchise. His name is uh, Wardell Stephen Curry. <laughs> you might have heard of him. He is averaging 32-6-6, six six, 36 points a game in his last 10, and no one seriously is considering him for MVP. No one. No. Like, there's not a chance in hell he will win MVP, and he is playing much better, much more consistently than Jimmy Butler. I mean, what are we doing?
1: Yeah. Steph still has uh, better odds uh, in a lot of sports books than CP3 to win MVP. I thought that was interesting.
0: Did it make you furious? No,
1: it was just interesting because, I mean, <laughs> if I feel like Vegas now, I mean, they've already kind of given it to Jokic. Like, he's like negative money now. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. <laughs>
0: If I was a Suns fan, I would be a little upset about that. <laughs> Not going to lie. I mean, we just have to stop the madness with this MVP conversation. I think in a weird year, everyone just wants to be like, maybe I'm the MVP. No, no, I'm the MVP. It's like
1: every week there's a new like flavor of the month like MVP candidate.
0: Yeah, and I think people are literally just saying, this is the first year I've heard so many people declare. I declare yeah. I am the MVP of uh-huh. the league. Dame has done that. Embiid has done that. Who else has done that? Uh, James Harden has done that. Fucking Julius Randle has done that.
1: I forgot about the Harden run for MVP for a while there. Yeah.
0: And that was like, well, maybe Kyra. I mean, there's just been too much. Talk Mm -hmm. of it. We just need to give it to Jokic. We all know it's Jokic's. We know it.
1: Yeah. Especially after the injuries kept him in. Yeah.
0: Come on now. So... Please stop the madness. No more MVP declarations. At this point, it's just coaches trying to, like, fellate their star player into getting some goodwill from for them for some ungodly reason. Maybe it's, like, to give Jimmy Butler, like, listen, Jimmy, you are the MVP. We love you. You need to get us to the back of the fucking finals again. Like, play like an MVP if you are an MVP, you know? <laughs> get your big face coffee on. I don't know. It's been six consecutive weeks since Jokic has been number one and has not wavered by, like, any measure. So, I don't know. I think we just need to end it. Just end it now.
1: (laughs) I'll be excited when it's over.
0: Yeah, me too. All right, a little bit of Mellow news uh, moving on. Carmelo this week became one of the top 10 greatest scorers in the history of the NBA. So you now, all the Mellow haters... I can now say, Mello, top 10 score, And you can't fucking say a goddamn thing to me. No. It's now a fact. <laughs> top 10 score, Mello. Mm-hmm. When asked what this meant to him, Mello said, top 10 in anything of all time is a special moment. I do not want to take this moment for granted. I do not want to downplay it. I'm excited about it. I'm blessed to be able to accomplish this in year 18. I think, though, that's what people should look at. I am in my 18th season playing professional basketball <laughs> at a high level. Man, he is old as shit. He is so dusty, and he is still a fucking bucket. I tell you what, mm-hmm. man. So we've, uh, we've talked about Mello a lot before about how good in his resurgence and his gratitude for the game, how that basically revived in Portland. But Jim Beheim was recently talking about Mello couple of days ago and i thought that it was really really interesting what he had to say he said right now because mellows only playing 20 minutes that mellow might be currently playing the best basketball of his life okay <laughs> because mellow is better in doses
1: yeah. Um, you
0: disagree? Or what do you, how do you feel about I mean, that? I, 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 you
1: think
0: again, Denver this is Nuggets. More, this is
1: more coach speech. Like, why do you have to throw hyperbole out there? The best basketball of his career? No. He averaged 30. Like, this isn't the best basketball <laughs> of his career. But I do get that playing him in spurts has energized him now. Like, he's definitely, yeah. It, he's a better player now getting 20 minutes a game than he would be if you were to throw 35 minutes a game at him. For, for sure. sure that. Yeah.
0: I wonder why he said that. I'm wondering if this is like part of I'm a cynical human. I think this is part of Jim Boeheim trying to get Mello paid and also trying to get him maybe ah. to a new destination, possibly as a Blazer fan. I don't want to see that. But
1: but Mello loves Portland.
0: Mello does love Portland. But, you know, where also Mello loves New York. Yeah, he does. And now the culture is changing and they need some depth Possibly a bucket getter. Sometimes, like I've said before, the Knicks struggle to score and Mello does not struggle to score. <laughs> that is, that has always been the case, but Beheim sort of kind of hinted at a New York connection because he said, listen, when Mello was in New York, everybody was hating on him for being inefficient. He was a statistical nightmare, but But really, the offense in New York was so bad that they would give Mello, and this is true, they would give Mello the ball with like six seconds left on the shot clock and be like, go get us a bucket. And he would be double teamed, and everyone's like, why isn't he shooting 55%? (laughs) It's like, well, no one would be able to shoot that efficiently when you give them the ball with like, everyone knows what they're about to do. Mm -hmm. He said, actually, during Mello's era in New York, Mello lobbied for a coach that would give them accountability. A tough, hard-nosed individual. Do you know who that, that coach Mello was lobbying for was?
1: <laughs> at the time, it at was, the time? At the time. At I the time? Mean, I mean, Thibodeau fits the bill.
0: It was Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> and I tell you what, Phil Jackson put his fingerprints all over that and said, No. Hmm. That is not the case. So in 2016, Mello told the New York Daily News he was tired of hearing them. This is the best. Yeah. I'm tired of hearing the word triangle, and I really want a tough-minded coach like Tibbs. And Phil Jackson wanted Kurt Fucking Rambis instead, who only only coached 28 games before yeah. he get, getting fired.
1: Was a goofy motherfucker.
0: He was so goofy. <laughs> Mello went through six coaches in seven years. And Mello was the problem in New York.
1: Six? That's the number?
0: Six coaches in seven years. Jesus. So after wandering around the NBA wilderness, maybe it's time to go on home. (laughs) He found a home in Portland, found a role that suits him perfectly. But this year he's a free agent in the offseason. And so now I believe the news that I... I feel is sort of in the rumblings is that Bayheim's trying to get Mello back to New York <laughs> and telling the world he's playing the best basketball of his career. Right. So then he can reunite with Tibbs. Also, the fact that he talked about lobbying for Tibbs, you know, is playing into Tibbs' ego perfectly. Oh, Mello wanted me then? <laughs> <laughs> you know? He had the vision. Definitely enjoyed hearing it. It was Mello who had the vision this whole time. And Tibbs wanted to be the head coach of the Knicks for a long time, too. So maybe, just maybe, Mello will end up back in New York and Phil Jackson this time can't fuck it up. That would be a scene. No team in the NBA needs more good news than the Cleveland Cavaliers. So last week, (laughs) Kevin Love staged an open shooting rebellion refusing to put up a single shot in 23 minutes the night after he threw the ball to the other team and cost them the game. So then articles coming out that, hey, opponents are now making fun of Cleveland Cavaliers saying, hey, Colin Sexton's not going to pass you the ball. (laughs) Like, he's just never going to do it. Team is sinking in the standings. And guess what? When all of this chatter was breaking, Dan Gilbert... Behind the scenes making money moves, making putting things into motion that were really nice. No, no, he's not apologizing for his company's federal mortgage fraud lawsuit. Instead, he decided <laughs> the team was going to sign Anderson Verjow for a ten day contract so that he could retire a Cav. Nice. Sweet. Like I love Anderson Verizau.
1: Who he once traded mid season.
0: Yes. That I mean, I'm sure Anderson Verjaw <laughs> forgot all about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anderson Vergeau confirmed Dan Gilbert fan, he says. They even got an exception from Adam Silver to open up a roster spot with him, for him. Man, why would he do that? Anderson even called Dan Gilbert one of his best friends. <laughs> Think about that. Think about an NBA player who played for Dan Gilbert saying, I consider Dan Gilbert to be one of my best friends on earth. Either one, blink Anderson if you're being held against your will, or two, (laughs) you need to go on an app to find some better friends because this is insane. But I think Dan Gilbert does nothing from the kindness of his heart. I think he does nothing if it does not benefit him in any way. Um, That's fair.
1: Yeah. His actions have exhibited his, that.
0: His actions have proven that yeah. Dan Gilbert is <laughs> scu- scummy? Is that the right word?
1: That's what yeah, one of many. Yeah.
0: <laughs> scummy?
1: Just 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 bad. Yeah, all the all, all the bad, all the negative adjectives.
0: Yeah. So a 2000-word article came out in the Akron Beacon Journal about him. 2000-word article about Anderson Veraj's Anderson return to Cleveland. How's that for PR 101 for you, huh? Taking all of the time and energy, that 2,000 words could have been put into Kevin Love, could have been put into Colin Sexton and Darius Garland not working, but no, it's a 10-day contract for Anderson Anderson Verjao, a feature, in fact. It was a very long, very arduous read.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a lot of words.
0: That's a lot of words. (laughs) If you think that all of that chatter and Anderson Verjardt's return has nothing to do with one another. I've got some property, some beachfront property in Iowa to sell you <laughs> because there is no chance that gets done. If there isn't a firestorm, a dumpster fire coming out of Quicken Loans Arena, just the the attempt to distract cannot be unnoticed. I think that's probably how would I put this? Not what you would think at first glance, but the more you know about Dan Gilbert, the more you know. Yeah, that's definitely what it was.
2: The let's go All
0: right, let's get into the coaching carousel. Ooh, I'm looking forward to this. Let's go. This is my favorite thing to do. <sighs> This is the bomb. This is the sound of the Woj bomb. Woj bomb. Man, when Woj drops a bomb, it reverberates around the league. Players, coaches, media members. Like, no one was talking about the Indiana Pacers. No one. Especially
1: when they come, like, at a time where you're not really expecting one. That one came at 11 p.m.
0: (laughs) on a Tuesday night. Uh And it was like... The world, everybody in the Pacer organization, coaches, players, they're having a problem with this head coach, Nate Bjorkren, and his job is in jeopardy. What? They just hired Nate Bjorkren. Why are we talking about him being on the hot seat? This is not something I expected, not something that the world expected. Apparently, though, this has been like a, a secret kept around the league. Like every media member knew about this and just didn't want to report it. They were the most under the radar team in the league. A team that they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder by 57 points and no one reported it. (laughs) It was like it never if a tree falls in a forest and no one's there. If the Pacers beat the Oklahoma City and no one reports it, did it happen? Like, that's basically what it was. And then boom. boom, whoa, bomb. This is the sound of the whoa bomb. And then it was like article the next day. Two days ago, article after article after article. I mean, I swear there was 15 articles written about this. Yeah. Multiple podcasts about Nate Bjorkren. If you're a Pacer fan and you are all about your team getting shine, the shine, the spotlight is on you now in the worst <laughs> possible way. <laughs> you're like, oh man, Indiana, nobody talks about us. No matter how good we are, no matter, no matter what, they just won't talk about us. You are being talked about now. Yeah,
1: when it's bad, they will.
0: I tell you what. Man, trouble in the heartland. So Nate Bjorkren, for those who don't remember, is a Nick Nurse disciple. He has been with Nick Nurse before Nick Nurse was ever a head coach in the NBA. When he was uh, the head coach of the Iowa Energy, Nate was his guy. That is literally, (laughs) that's the truth. Really? They went down. Yeah, I mean, I didn't make that up. So, (laughs) So Nick Nurse basically went to Iowa from Europe. And created, saw that Iowa had no G League team and pitched the G League Commission, I guess you could call it, on creating a team there. And they did, they said yes. And so Nick Nurse brought in Nate, who he had known for a long time, to basically create this team from scratch. Him and Nate went into a basement and would spend 15 hours a day just drawing up plays. One time they spent like multiple days in a basement just out of bounds plays only for a binder. <laughs> Just only out of bounds plays.
1: That they, sounds kind of fun, honestly. It,
0: it does. <laughs> but a guy like that, that is willing to go into total darkness with another man and only draw up out of bounds plays, eating pizza boxes, never leaving, is not exactly, I would say, maybe the most social man,
1: maybe Probably the not. most
0: charismatic leader. Yeah. So. Basically, he gets hired to take over for uh, Nate McMillan, who's one of the most stale, slow-paced, non-modern NBA head coaches. And that's no shade to Nate uh, McMillan. He's doing a tremendous job for the Pacer, or for the Atlanta Hawks right now. <laughs> but Pacers wanted a change. So they bring in this Nick Nurse disciple, this X's and O's nerd, right? Mm-hmm. And it hasn't worked out great so far. It's been, eh, yeah. hasn't been bad.
1: No, it's been kind of a wash.
0: It's been kind of like an up and down year. There's been times where I'm like, oh, Indiana looks dangerous. Other times where I'm like, they're really nothing. But I haven't been like, this This season has been a failure. Mm-mm. It's been a disappointment, but I mean, COVID and like injuries, no fans, games are being canceled. Like, I just feel like you can't really evaluate anyone.
1: Yeah, and they're still in the play-in. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I would say a wash.
0: I mean, the Pacers were a playoff team last year. I, yeah, I so, know. So... There, it, well, there was a drop off, but you can't really tell. At one point, they were fourth in the league. They started off hot. So I was kind of like, eh, not much to do about nothing, right? <laughs> and then this woge bomb happens. And it's like, yeah, everyone's got a problem with nerdy Nate. <laughs> he is considered, according to these reports, I mean, it was a damning report mm-hmm. micromanaging, controlling, abrasive, overcommunicative. Players and coaches say he's just generally difficult to be around. Man. Like I said, a guy spending 15 hours a day <laughs> drawing up these plays in a basement, that's just the out of bounds. Who knows how many other days we're right, spent creating yeah. other binders, right? Analytical guys like that, they just typically, these big brain guys, they're not easy to get along with. They're smarter than almost everyone that they're around, and they let people know it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like people that are not exactly warm, focused on the work. So, yeah, I'm not shocked that he's is a little bit cold, but he's really, really smart. I know that he probably is the sort of guy that has a hard time letting go of control. Because when you see incompetency or you see that there's a potential for incompetency, you're like, ah, fuck it, I'll just do it myself. So am I shocked that he's like can't connect with a kid from Bedford, Texas, like Miles Turner? I am not surprised. I'm not surprised. No, I am not. Do I think he should be fired? I do not. I do not. I think he is getting an unfair shake. I think this is one, a tough year to judge. But also, there's some weirdness going on. I was looking up an old article four or five games into the season. Mm Mm-hmm. Not only did uh, not only did Malcolm Brogdon and our Ar- and Ar- I almost said Arvidas, not only did Brogdon and Sabonis sing his praises about how smart he was and how he understood what the Celtics were doing, but he didn't want to tip his hand. He waited till the very last moment to exploit their tendencies that he realized from minute one. And they they waited till 18 seconds left in the fourth quarter to exploit that. And they noticed it. These players noticed it and said, oh, yeah, he's, he's championship-level basketball. To go from that to Brogdon and Sabonis being the key members of this report that have turned on him, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Damn. Also, let's talk about how these players who seemingly are not connecting with Nate Bjorkren are doing. Because that is important to note. Brogdon and Sabonis, career years. Dougie Bucket. Career year. Karis Levert, career year. Yeah. TJ McConnell, McConnell, career year. Justin Holiday, career year. Miles Turner, Aaron Holiday, no drop off at all. If you're on an expiring, playing for Nate Bjorkren must be a dream. You are getting <laughs> a big upgrade your weekend in your contract wherever you go next. So maybe you don't like them, but maybe your next destination will like you a lot more. So I don't know. By all accounts, smartest X's and O's guy in the league, getting every single player on the roster to have career numbers.
1: Yeah, says a lot. Says quite a lot.
0: That is why KP, Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan hired him over someone safe is to make changes. I think changes take time. I think culture takes time to build. You're in a pandemic year. Hard to build culture in a pandemic year. You can't even go face to face. You have to be in masks. You have to be socially distanced. People are wearing bracelets. You're always getting a fucking little Q tip up your nose. No, it's not easy to build relationships in this environment. Just not. So, yeah, I am not surprised that things are not going exactly well. Here's the problem though. Now it's out. All your dirty laundry is out. I was talking to a couple of other media members. They're like, once. This thing goes public. It's really hard to slow the wheels on the bus uh, from going round and round. So that is a conundrum. This is so antithetical to what the Pacers do. I think that they've only fired the the least amount of time a coach has played for them before being fired was two years, but mostly it's around four years. Mm -hmm. So if the Pacers organization lets him go after one year, After letting go of Nate McMillan, after letting go of Frank Vogel, it's like, do you just fire everyone?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. that's a bad pattern. It's
0: a bad pattern, and it makes you look bad. And frankly, I don't think that Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan are the type of humans that want to cut bait this fast either. So, it is bad. Nate uh, had to address the media two nights ago after this report came out, and then his assistant got into a fight on the bench with a player. So things are not good in, in Pacer land. <laughs> but if I had to predict, I'd say he stays. Another coach on the hot seat. Mike Budenholzer.
1: Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, I've been on this one for about a year now, I would say. And people are starting to come around to it. It's still kind of like up and down, though, with him. How people view him and talk about him.
0: He's a fascinating case, isn't he? A little bit. Seems a little surprising. They're in. Uh, Bucks are the third seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've beaten. They're five and one against the Sixers uh, and the Nets. Mm-hmm. So that's a mismatch problem for the number one and number two seed in the East. Um, it would be very surprising to most folks, most casuals, that he would be on the hot seat. But uh, and actually, funnily enough, Budenholzer and Billy Donovan got the Coach of the Year award last year. Yeah. (laughs) So, if you think that means something, that means nothing. No,
1: oh yeah, Coach of the Year means, yeah, Byron Scott won Coach of the Year once.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think Dwayne Casey won Coach of the Year and then was fired (laughs) right after that. It might be the greatest indication of you being fired, getting the Coach of the Year award. (laughs) So, I don't think it's as strange, though, as people would have it seem. This has been a long, like you said, you've been on this a year. It's been a long time coming. And I think it really dates back to... Budenholzer's moves when they gave up that three-one lead to the Toronto Raptors. Oh yeah, it was all but set. Mm-hmm. And I think if you beat the Toronto Raptors, you win that title.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, the you Warriors beat are depleted. Warriors, too. correct? Yeah. yeah,
0: that's a decimated team. And now Giannis already has a ring. His legacy is sealed. Budenholzer's legacy is sealed. You now have more breathing room, I would say, mm-hmm. as other teams begin to create their own super teams. Now, without that ring, you have Giannis being like, listen, I need you guys to fix things. And then you have to spend four draft picks for Drew Holiday. Did you, would you spend Drew, Drew Holiday, four draft picks for Drew Holiday if you already had a ring?
1: No, you, you uh, you're probably able to attract another free agent or something to put yourself in a position where you don't have to make a move like that just to appease Giannis.
0: Correct. Yeah. Giannis had so much power because Budenholzer was incompetent. Mm-hmm. Basically, he did <laughs> not make changes during the course of that, that series. And that has changed and altered the franchise and how they have to operate moving forward. That is something that if you're a front office member, you don't forget easily. Yeah, You're like, fuck, we could have had that. That was our ring. That should have been our ring. So since then, they have underperformed in the playoffs. That's a, I would say, a uh, nice way of putting it. <laughs> Uh, and this regular season, like they won 60 games two years ago and were on track to win over 60 the year last year before the pandemic slowed us down. So they were the best basketball team in two straight years, best basketball team in the NBA. And this year, drop off, even with an upgrade at Drew, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason I think that they've underperformed and the reason that people say that they've underperformed is because Budenholzer just will not make adjustments. He just stays firm no matter what happens. And
1: he mismanages talent, too. He saw it this year with Tory Craig, who, like, wasn't getting minutes for them. And now he gets traded to Phoenix, and he's been... That's
0: a great point. Yeah. Tory Craig, I think he's not aware. There are certain guys that, like, I think actually, as much as we're going to talk about in in the next segment, Terry Stotts is very good at extracting uh, value out of pieces. Mm -hmm. Budenholzer is terrible at that. Yeah. Like, I believe that and, and I think you and I might have talked about this before or maybe it was me and Ario when he sat in for you. But Chris Middleton, I believe, is being completely misused.
1: Yeah. No, this wasn't one of the episodes I missed. But yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Yeah.
0: Like Chris Middleton is basically a three and D guy and he can actually create his own shot. He can actually slash, but he's not allowed to slash in a Budenholzer system. So it's sort of wild. Remember when Giannis went down in the uh, playoffs? Was it last year?
1: Wasn't it? Yes. Uh
0: Giannis went down with an ankle injury last year, and basically the offense had to run through Chris Middleton. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah,
1: they did okay. I didn't (laughs) even
0: know you could do those things. Yeah. So that's Budenholzer. The Raptors threw the house at Giannis in 2019. And you know what? He just kept sending Giannis against the brick wall over and over and over again. And they lost. In 2015 with the Hawks, he insisted on taking LeBron out of the game despite the fact that the Cavs had three shooters and a big man in the middle. Then he got bounced, too. Also was the best team in the east. They had 60 wins that Hawks team.
1: Yeah. Was so, that the year like Kyle Korver made the All-Star team? Yes, home? sir. <laughs> yes, sir.
0: That was when Jeff Teague was good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shout out to Jeff Teague. Not a shock that Jeff Teague is now getting minutes for the Bucks after he had that little relationship with him yeah. on the Hawks. Mm-hmm. So the answer though, and you might wonder if you're not like uh, fully entrenched in coaching trees, like why is Mike Budenholzer like this? Why won't he make changes? Why is he so fucking stubborn? Well, bootenholzer spent two decades on the staff of one of the most stubborn, in the mud coaches in the league in Greg Popovich. Popovich's coaching philosophy, quote, is stay true to yourself. Mm Mm-hmm don't change no matter what don't change if the team does don't change if your opponents make adjustments. Like it's literally like I don't make adjustments. That's basically what that means, right? (laughs) You can move your little chess piece, but I am staying strong towards this path. And that's, that's sort of problematic in an area where making adjustments is more and more important by the year fluid offenses. You literally have teams that design their roster for, a. sort of versatility in terms of how they're going to match up with you and how they're going to game plan and run their offense. If you have one way of doing things and they have five ways of doing things, they're just going to find that matchup that you get exploited and you will you will lose. That's just the way that it will go.
1: Yeah, typically.
0: An anonymous exec described Popovich in his coaching tree as follows. My guess is they need to adhere to that principle because that's how coaches are. Principles are everything, and they would rather lose than abandon their beliefs. What some consider adaptable and flexible, they consider flaky and inconsistent. It's almost a, almost a badge of honor to have a principle and see it through. <laughs> I mean, that's trash. Yeah. That is a trash way of doing business, yeah,
1: it's easy to have that philosophy when you have Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Monte Ginobili for twelve years. Yeah,
0: um, thank you. <laughs> it's easy to stay true to your beliefs when you have generational talent. It's much harder to win and can. Comp- completely stay stubborn in your beliefs when you don't have the talent to match it, which is exactly what's happening to the Spurs. And I believe the main issue with the Bucks moving forward. So if Budenholzer does not go to at least the Eastern Conference finals, at least, and even then there's some sketch, sketch stuff going on in terms of the reporting, he's out. That is wild, wild. <laughs> we talked earlier, another coach on the hot seat, about Terry Stotts, yep. my Portland Trailblazers head coach. I said to you, I said to you, <laughs> Marty, I think he's going to be fired. And what did you what did you believe when I said that? Yeah,
1: I fought you on that one. I thought it seemed a little silly, but uh, you uh, you gave a really good uh, argument at that point, and it's proven to be pretty damn true since then. <laughs> I mean, your argument was on the defensive end, and sure as shit hadn't gotten better.
0: <laughs> I tell you what, he, according to reports— is basically out. Unless the Blazers pull some sort of rabbit out of their hat, which let's be real, they're not going to do. We know that that's not going to happen. Like win
1: a playoff series or something, yeah.
0: No, no. I mean, we got to go to the Western Conference Finals for him to be. Winning (laughs) one playoff series will not be enough. (laughs) Will not be enough. He is in trouble. I'm telling you, unless it's like Lakers, Blazers, Western Conference Finals, and we take six, (laughs) take it to six, he's gone. Why? We talked about it before. Team will not play defense. There are pieces for them to play defense. uh, uh, Derek Jones Jr., uh, Robert Covington. Yeah. Um, We've got players on the wings that should be able to do that. Also, Norm Powell. Now, he has been added. This team is still almost dead last, if not dead last. The Blazers ultimately will make a move on the Stotts front, and sources say that when they do... This is this is so anti Portland. They're going to go after a big name, high dollar coach to replace him. And I just can't help but to think about who that might be. <laughs> who would you want? Who would you think about?
1: I'm always so bad at this cuz I prefer I prefer to go after like a young assistant or something like that than try to make a splash hire, especially cuz splash hires are usually past head coaches that have failed so uh I don't know uh hasn't Sam Cassell been like an assistant for years and years and years
0: that's true Yeah, Sam Cassell
1: he would you You would think he's defensive minded I don't know
0: David Vanderpool from Minnesota
1: okay yeah
0: we've got oh um what about Jacques Vaughn who's an assistant for oh,
1: in uh in, in Brooklyn in, in yeah. Brooklyn oh yeah That could be an
0: interesting hire. I I don't know that that's a big... He's also
1: a failed head coach. He
0: is a... Well, he was an interim.
1: No, Orlando, I think he got the job.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, most people who are going to get the head coaching gigs that are big, splashy names failed somewhere. Right. Or they would still be there. Right.
1: Right. And that's happened before, so it's not completely fair for me to say.
0: Jason Kidd is on the list as well. That's a... I don't like that. (sighs) Yeah. Brent Berry is on the list. Chauncey Billups on the list. That one's I, interesting. I like Chauncey Billups. I think Chauncey Billups, though, would be a better GM than a coach.
1: Well, uh, there was those rumors that he was going to be like the Knicks GM, right? Mm-hmm. Forever. Yeah, it seems like Chauncey wants to just do every single job. Where <laughs> did
0: Borrego come from?
1: Uh, he was Spurs, right?
0: Yeah, so I think Chauncey Billups in that list would be the best. But all I know for sure is that I was right and that Terry Stotts is fucking gone. Another coach. this one's been on the list for a while, too. Luke Walton of the Sacramento (laughs) Kings is uh, is firmly on the hot seat.
1: Still a head coach somehow.
0: Man, I tell you what, it's brutal because he's not good in any way. And I think everyone knows he's not good in any way. And yet somehow he remains employed.
1: He rode that hot start for the Warriors in 2015 when Kerr was sitting out. The he's,
0: 73 and 9 Warriors. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, He's ridden that for what we're on like year six of that.
0: Can we all just hope to accomplish something that allows us to fail? For the next five years and people still give us the rope to stay employed. That you had basically
1: nothing to do with. You had
0: nothing to do with. You were aligned with something and around something that was so successful that even the stench of that success makes people believe that you could possibly be successful. Yeah. And you are not. No. You are absolutely not. And on top of that, you're getting paid handsomely for that stench to just be around I guess stench is the wrong word, that perfume, that cologne of success hmm. to be sort of rubbing off on the Sacramento Kings organization. And it's just not. Yeah, it's just not. Nope. He has coached five full seasons in the NBA and has never come close to a winning record. The best that he did was 37 and 45 with the Lakers with LeBron, <laughs> with LeBron, <laughs> 37 and 45 with LeBron James led Lakers. You. You've got to be fucking garbage if all you can get is 37 wins with LeBron James. Let's look that at this a- <laughs> roster again. We have my man, Isaac Bonga. Shout out Lonzo Ball. Michael Beasley. Well, that was bad. Reggie Bullock. KCP, who's still there. Alice Caruso, who's still there. Josh Hart. Brandon Ingram. Kyle Kuzma. JaVale McGee. Three-time champion. Uh, Rajon Rondo. Champion. Lance Stevenson. Uh and Eva Kazubak.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot how te- how weird that team was. I forgot they just threw Lance Stevenson. In just there.
0: threw him in. Okay, 37 wins with that roster, you couldn't figure it out? Get out of here. Yep. The Kings exactly the same as last year with an even more stacked lineup. I mean, like you said, no one more has more skated on someone else's success than Luke Walton. I thought maybe there was a chance that when he went 39 and 4 when when Steve Kerr was out, that like maybe that had anything to do with him. I was like, oh, like, yeah, he's an affable guy. Like I like Luke Walton.
1: He's part of the system. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like he's a lake he was a Laker. He was Fee fits in. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Walton's son. Yeah. Pedigree. No. <laughs> no. That's those are lies that they propagate and they they brainwash you to believe mm-hmm. this is the machine that is brainwashing us into allowing these fucking trash coaches into having jobs and keeping jobs. Kings have the worst defense right now in a historically bad defensive year. He's struggling with lineups. They have given away a lot of close games. The big problem, though, is that the Kings have lost a shitload of money in the pandemic, $100 million. And because <laughs> the Kings doing the Kings things, <laughs> they, they did not structure it. So if they fire Walton, they can stretch it that stretch that salary over time, they have to pay them an 11 and dollar lump sum if they fire him. <laughs> so they're losing money. They're in Sacramento. Lots of shade to Sacramento. And they would have to pay out 11 and dollars in one lump dollar to Luke Walton if they fire him. So that's a lot of money to make someone go away. That is a lot of money. So I don't know if that's that's going to happen. The Kings are not really interested in making the playoffs anytime soon. Otherwise, they would have picked up Boban's contract yeah. when they had him on a restrictive free agent deal. They are exciting. They are young. They really do deserve a coach that gives a shit about them and can do his job.
1: How do they still have any fan support? I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in 15 years.
0: I guess they're just selling like old, that's, that's, old 2000 Mike Biddy jerseys. <laughs>
1: that's the most loyal of the loyal. I want to meet a Sacramento Kings fan really bad and just just tell them it's going to be okay. Folks, if you're
0: listening and you know a Sacramento Kings fan personally, or you are a Sacramento Kings fan, reach out. I'd like to hear how you get through the day.
1: Just give him a hug.
0: But I think because of the Kings, and they are cheap, they will take the cheap way out, and we will see Luke Walton again next year doing the same things. <laughs> <laughs> he might be the safest coach on this list. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: He probably is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wild. Last one on the coaching carousel list. Scotty Brooks from the, I almost said Oklahoma City Thunder because it feels like that, Washington Wizards. Uh, let's be real. I've been thinking he was going to get fired for years now. I thought yeah, I, mean. I thought last year. I thought the year before. I like Scott Brooks. I do. He's a great person. He's a big-time players coach.
1: Yeah, no, I like him as a dude a lot, but at, at no point have I ever thought this guy is an elite head coach. Maybe for a minute in OKC, like at the very beginning of that. Correct. Yeah,
0: correct. Before Westbrook got there, it seemed like they had made the decision. They were just going to allow him to play out the rest of his contract and be done with it. He has made some bad coaching decisions. There was a game earlier this season where the Wizards played the Celtics and he didn't call timeout. And then it ended up being like a jump ball, loose ball thing. And then he steps on the line because he slips on Bradley Beal, slips on Jason Tatum's sweat.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the sweat game.
0: <laughs> that was Scotty Brooks that lost them that game. Mm-hmm. So the Athletics said that this team getting to the playoffs was what was required for Scott Brooks to keep his job. Now, where does the play-in tournament fall into that? If you make it in, yeah, in the play-in, and then you get into the eight seed. Is that considered an L or a W? I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? So this is Brooks' last year. So even if they let him go, it's not really a firing. It's more of them like not extending him. It's like they we've gone separate ways. We couldn't come to an agreement. Yeah. But here's the deal. Russell Westbrook, who by all accounts is having tremendous year, loves himself some Scotty Brooks. The only reason he came to Washington was because of Scotty Brooks.
1: Because he lets him do whatever the fuck he wants.
0: He, he said, he said, I want to be unleashed again. Uh-huh. That's what a person who gives you no boundaries. That's what you are is unleashed. And he looks fucking amazing right now. And they oh, yeah. are winning. Russell Westbrook. Let's talk about it. He is now making 44 million last year. And a $47 million player option in 2022.
1: Probably pick that up.
0: He'll probably pick it up. <laughs> 50000000 million. I'd say you don't let that slide. <laughs> so I think actually, instead of Scotty Brooks being on the hot seat, I think he gets an extension.
1: I mean, why not at this point? <laughs> like, they
0: gave D'Antoni a one-year deal with like a one-year option at the <laughs> end of his tenure in Houston. Yeah. No. I think he'll get, my guess, two-year extension. That's my guess.
2: I'm overcoming the obstacles. Said I was being but I have and why would I stop? got a lot to do? I'm trying to where it's Don't call me I ain't calling you, I do not you. you the type
0: all right we are hard. done with the coaching carousel. let's talk about i this is near and dear to my heart honestly, I have changed my mind so drastically on this. That I think now maybe I may be the greatest Russell Westbrook fan that exists.
1: Really? I flip flopped a lot.
0: Yeah. He's, he is a, how would I put it? Polarizing figure in the basketball world, isn't
1: he? Yeah. I mean, there have been points in his career where I've absolutely loved him. Like that 20, what was it, 2017 year, uh, I was just the biggest fan of all time. I bought Russell Westbrook socks. I was just so into him really? as a player. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah still have them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, just as years go on, it's like, oh, he really doesn't bring it all for a team. But now I'm kind of back on board. Yeah. I
0: am fully on the board. I am on the train. Man, I've got my my express business class seat on the Russell Westbrook train. And I'm not getting off. I think I am now firmly not getting off the train again. Don't let me get off it. And And there was a period of time in the middle of the season where Russell Westbrook had a little bit of like a slump. After he Mm -hmm. was healthy, he had a little slump. And I was talking on the phone with some friends. They were talking about Russ. And and like, oh, see, Russ going back to his old ways. And I was like, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) We are. There is no more slander for Russell Westbrook this year. So when this came out, I figured we needed to talk about it. I was like, damn, I see it clear now. You know, like I see the haters And they're coming for Russell Westbrook with pitchforks, and I want it to stop. So we need to address it. (laughs) A new article just dropped on ESPN. And once again, I mean, it did not have great things to say about him. (laughs) Honestly, it was bad. The the gist of it is, yes, Russell Westbrook gets stats, but he takes a lot of bad jumpers, and he um, doesn't help your team win. I mean... Old narrative. Why is this an article that comes out? This is not news. We've yeah. known that Russell Westbrook has shooting issues. We've known that right. for a long time. Yeah. It's been as much of his career as like his triple doubles. We know that there are points in time where Russ is going to chuck. Yeah. And God damn it. Unapologetically. Unapologetically chucking, which there are players I would like to see chuck more. Sure. You know, Mr. Balloon Hands, for example. <laughs> so okay ESPN just find a new slant we all know this already but the quote said this is what was so crazy that Russell Westbrook is an anchor that weighs down the Wizards offense this is the fourth best offense in basketball right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) they scored 150 points the other night in regulation that night Russell Westbrook had 25 assists Think twenty-two assists and fifteen points, so he contributed to at least. So he had twenty-four assists, twenty-one rebounds, fourteen points, contributing to at least at least fifty-five points of offense. Yep. I would say that's a lot. Of, that's not an anchor. Pretty good. Yeah, that right. is a uh, a kite of offense.
1: Yeah, no bad uh bad quote. <laughs> bad quote.
0: In terms of wins, the Wizards are fourteen and four in their last eighteen. I mean, what the fuck is ESPN doing?
1: I don't know. I mean, they're just judging like all this stuff back up. I seem like now, like there's been plenty of times to criticize Russell Westbrook. Like now you're going to come out with the
0: period is not now. No.
1: Yeah. No, we're in a good we're in a valley right now.
0: This is when you shut the fuck up about Russell Westbrook. Yeah. You only say that's why when Stephen A. Smith said something on first take that like a couple of months ago, I was like, this is just nonsense. You can't take Russell Westbrook's accomplishments and then use that as an opportunity to tear him down. Yeah, that's. That's just bonkers. That's incorrect way of doing life. And even Oscar Robertson is like, the Russell Westbrook slander has just got to end now. Like, I don't know why this is happening. I don't think a long think piece dedicated to Russell Westbrook shooting woes was ever a good idea in 2021. And it's certainly not, like you said, a good time to drop it now. To me, it was like embarrassing. To me, it was like (laughs) a writer who had already had this article planned. (laughs) <laughs> and just like had to drop it at some point during the season? Yeah, or like, was like he
1: had a deadline and he just went into his drafts. And like. It's like
0: been in the works for two months. <laughs> He's been working with the data department to get every single shot chart and like get these graphics made and the editor's like, yo, this is getting more and more dated by the moment. We need to drop it now or we're never dropping it at all. Like you've been working on this for 60 days. What are we paying you for? Mm-hmm. He said 19 triple doubles in 23 games, man, Russ has a handful of games left this season to catch Oscar Robertson's record of 181 career triple doubles, and I think that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's his record. It is weird, though, because, I mean, he's going to average a triple double again. Yes. Something that for years we were saying no one would ever do again. Yep. And, I mean, I know we kind of decided that triple doubles were kind of dumb. It's kind of a meaningless stat, but, like... Are they that meaningless? Like, you know, like it, I well, don't know. All stats
0: individually seem to be pretty meaningful. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> like, us, when someone leads the league in assists, we don't say that's meaningless. Right. But when you... so When someone leads the league in scoring, we don't say that's meaningless. When someone leads the league in rebounding, we don't say that me- is meaningless. But when you put them all together, somehow they're less meaningful?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't understand, like, it's like, oh, like the fact that you got 10 like okay cool but like i don't know it's but what
0: about 23? It, oh, no 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 for sure no it's it,
1: that, that that was just something i wanted to bring up totally. that like it just seems like we've gone too far in saying that triple doubles don't mean anything.
0: I think we've gone too far in saying that that stats lead everything and yet they mean nothing. Like there are this this group of people that only want to look at certain stats like plus minus but they don't want to look at triple doubles, they only want to analyze certain numbers, but not others. And they don't want to take into consideration that Russell Westbrook is a monster because he basically proves that they are wrong, like that everything that you say about plus minus is wrong. Yeah. So another thing. Oh, also, it goes to be mentioned that Russell Westbrook played a full two months with a torn quad, fully torn quad. He's just out there playing basketball. Nuts. Still chasing after loose balls. Still doing all the things. Rebounding. Still getting triple doubles with a torn quad. Like, please stop. Another quote from this ESPN article, which we can say is just embarrassing. Russell Westbrook is great. That's what they say. And then, but can the Wizards really win important games against playoff competition if Russell Westbrook continues to launch too many bad shots? I think yes. I think the answer is yes. Because... I mean, it's not like he hasn't accomplished anything in his entire career. They did go to the NBA Finals.
1: Yeah. No, he's had a lot of playoff runs. Yeah, They were up 3-1
0: to the Warriors. Like, we could say that that was a coaching issue uh, and not necessarily a player issue if you can't finish a series out.
1: That one still breaks my heart to think about.
0: Man, it really did change the league forever. Oh, yeah. So, like, Russell Westbrook was very, very close to a championship, and those championships that he did not win are not 100% on him. So, I think it just—I've said it once— I'm on the train. I'm going to say it a million times. The Russell Westbrook slander. I mean, it's just, it has to end now. Has to stop. Has to. On that note, that is all the time that we have for this league. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Makes a massive difference for us. Please unsubscribe and resubscribe. We also are going to be putting out some new this league playoff merch. One shirt for every playoff team, and they are already fire. Uh, There's also hoodies in the store as well. Please do not forget to follow us at At This League and at Trista Crick on TikTok. Go to our YouTube and subscribe, This League on YouTube and on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back Monday afternoon for the next edition of This League. The bigger they come, the hotter they fall, it's time to risk it all, say hello
2: to I stay fly yes